Ahoy mateys! Welcome to Podcasts of the Caribbean, a podcast covering the world of Pirates of the Caribbean, from the movies, to books, to theme parks, to everything in between. My name is Justin Helmer, and I will be your host on this voyage through the Caribbean. Welcome back to Podcasts of the Caribbean. This is episode 13, and we are still covering uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. This is the fourth episode covering at World's End. Um, You can go back and listen to episode 10, 11, and 12 for parts one through three. Um, A lot of really exciting stuff is going to happen in this chapter of the film. Um, We're going to get to see the world of Pirates of the Caribbean really expand. Um, in this part of the movie. Um, and we get to see stuff that's um, beyond our normal, uh, what we've seen so far. We get to see the, the broader world of Pirates of the Caribbean um, and how that all kind of comes together. Um, and I'm very excited to take you guys through this part of At World's End. So, without further ado, let's get right back in to the movie right where we left off last time. Now, I apologize in advance um, if the audio sounds a little weird this time. Um, I'm in a different place than normal recording this episode, Um, so the audio might be a little different, a little weird. If you hear anything weird, it's because I'm in a different place than normal, Um, but it should still be okay. So let's get right back into the movie. So last time, um, we left off right after James Norrington was killed by Bootstrap Bill. Um, After Norrington was killed, Davy Jones took... Uh, Norrington's sword, which is the Sword of Destiny, as I call it, Um, and he went over to the captain's cabin where we see the rest of the East India Trading Company soldiers and Ian Mercer are still in control of the the ship and also the dead man's chest, Um, and Ian Mercer holds the dead man's chest key in his hand. Um, So after that scene, we go right over to the next scene, Um, where we have this great swell of score once again. Thank you, Hans Zimmer, for the absolutely fantastic music. Um, But we go over and see the Black Pearl um, in the water nearing Shipwreck Island. So this gigantic, volcanic, um, craterous island is known as Shipwreck Island. Um, But the Black Pearl is nearing the entrance. um, I believe it's called the Devil's Throat, the entrance to the entrance um, through Shipwreck Island into Shipwreck Cove, I believe is called the Devil's Throat, I think. I'm not too sure. Um, But Gibbs is on deck, and Gibbs says, Look alive and keep a weather eye. Not for naught, it's called Shipwreck Island, where lies Shipwreck Cove in the town of Shipwreck. (laughs) And I love how after he says that, Pintel's like, You heard him! Step lively! And they all (laughs) go to their stations. I just love how Gibbs is like, Shipwreck Island, which holds Shipwreck Cove in the town of Shipwreck. (laughs) I just love how everything is named, like, the exact same thing. Um, But right after that happens, um, Jack and Gibbs walk um, to the, the aft of the ship, and Jack is like, for all the pirates are clever clogs, we are an imaginative lot when it comes to naming things. And then Gibbs is like, aye. (laughs) And then Jack's like, I once sailed with a geezer who lost both of his arms and part of his eye. And then Gibbs is like, what'd you call him? And then Jack's just like, Larry. 
I love how Jack just walks away and Gibbs just is like, what? And just blinks his eyes. <laughs> it's, it's so great. I love that. Um, but I do love that moment, how everything's called the same thing. And Jack, you know, says pirates are rather unimaginative lot when it comes to naming things. Um, I just, I, it's a fun moment. But after that, we go to another really interesting scene with Barbosa and Tia Dama. Um, and Barbosa says to Tia Dama, he says, I do not regain on a bargain once struck, but we agreed on ends only. The means are mine to decide. Then he goes to touch her, and Tia Dama grabs his hand, and she says, Caution, Barbosa. Do not forget it was by my power that you returned from the dead. And then as she says that, um, she makes Barbosa's hand look all undead and skeletony again, um, and she says, "Or what it mean if you fail me?" Um, and you can see Barbosa's hand and even his um, his shirt, um, everything that's above Tiadama's grip turns back to kind of dead skeleton corpse Barbosa, um, and it's really cool because we get the implication here. Um, and that why Barbosa was brought back from the dead. Barbosa was brought back from the dead by Tia Dama only because she needed the pirate lords to free her from her human, her human body. Um, and that is why Barbosa was brought back from the dead. Um, I feel like, you know, everyone was like wondering at this point, you know, why did Tia Dama bring back Barbosa? Like she just, oh. I just found this dead guy laying on Ilo de Muerta. I guess I'll bring him back to life. No, there was a very um, big reason why Tiadaman brought back Barbosa and didn't let him, you know, just die and um, waste away on Ilo de Muerta. Um, because he was a pirate, he was a pirate lord, and Tiadaman needed all the pirate lords to free her. Um, so I think it's really cool. And even when she says, you know, what it mean if you fail me? Um, and, you know, so if they fail to release her, Tiadama could very well just kill Barbosa again and um, take away his life and make him back to into a, you know, a dead corpse. So it's very, very cool, very interesting moment um, with Barbosa and Tiadama. But Tiadama tries to walk away and Barbosa grabs her by the arm and he says, don't you forget why you had to bring me back. Why I cannot leave Jack to his well-deserved fate. And then Barbosa then says, It took nine pirate lords to bind you, Calypso, and I'll take no less than nine to set you free. And I love that's the, finally the first time in the movie that we get um, the confirmation that Tiadama is Calypso. Of course, you know, if you've seen the movie up to this point, you have probably suspected that Tiadama was Calypso, but we hadn't had confirmation until now. So it's very cool um, to get that. And then Barbosa then says, Master's Pintel and Rigetti. And then he calls Pintel and Rigetti over and he says, Take this fishwife to the brig. And then I love how Pintel and Rigetti grab her by the arms and then Pintel's like, Right this way, Mrs. Fish. <laughs> and then I love how as this all goes down, Jack is observing from the... the um, the stern of the ship he's observing that whole whole situation going down um so i love how jack once again making sure to know everything um so he knows how to play his his plans and everything 
Um, and I love how we get one last look at Barbosa, who is kind of um, opening and closing his hand. And we get this, we actually, for, for one of the only times in these movies, we get a really honestly frightened Barbosa, um, where you can see the look on his face. You can actually see the how kind of nervous and scared he was to for that to happen to him just then. So I really love that. Um, we don't get that a lot to see Barbosa kind of be scared. Um, so I love, love that moment. Then right after that scene, we go into another fantastic scene um, on the Endeavor. Um, so we see um, some East India Trading Company soldiers dragging some East India Trading Company corpses onto the deck in a nice dead heap. Um, with some seagulls already pecking at the corpses. And then we see um, Davy Jones. I love how he just walks right over the, the, the pile of corpses. And Davy Jones um, walks right into Beckett's cabin. I love how he just um, bangs open the doors and just kind of pushes that one guy out of the way. Um, and he's like, I cannot be summoned like some mongrel pup. And then I love how Beckett instantly says, apparently you can. <laughs> Beckett says, I believe you know each other. And then we see Will is here. Um, Will was thankfully picked up um, in the water by the Endeavor. If you remember um, from last episode, Jack sent Will overboard um, and Will was picked up by the Endeavor because the Endeavor was following that trail that Will was leaving. Um, so Will is now aboard the Endeavor, and we have this great scene between Beckett, Will, and Davy Jones, and I love this scene a lot. It's a great, some great dialogue in it, um, and otherwise a fantastic, fantastic scene. So Beckett and Will are just having tea, and I love how Beckett says, I believe you know each other, and then Will kind of just like um, smiles at Davy Jones really quick, and then Davy Jones like, ah, ha, ha. Come to join my crew again, Master Turner. And then Will's like, not yours, his. And then Will turns to Davy Jones and he says, Jack Sparrow sends his regards. And then Davy Jones is like, Sparrow? And then <laughs> I love how Will looks at Becca and he's like, you didn't tell him. <laughs> and then Will says, we rescued Jack from the locker along with the Black Pearl. And then I love how Will goes back to sipping his tea, and then Davy Jones gets all angry. He's like, what else have you not told me? And then Beckett um, says, there is an issue, far more troublesome. And he gets up and walks over to his globe, and he says, I believe you're familiar with a person called Calypso. And then we see um, Davy Jones looks at Beckett, and you can see him, he starts to twitch and everything, which I love. Um, and he then turns away again, and he's like, not a person, a heathen god, one that delights in cursing men with their wildest dreams, and then revealing them to not be hollow and not but ash. The world is well rid of her. And then Will's like, not quite so well, actually. Then he takes another sip of his tea, he's like, mmm. <laughs> And then Will's like, the Brethren Court intends to release her. And then Jones is like, no, they cannot. The First Court promised to imprison her forever. That was our agreement. And then Beckett then just says, your agreement. Davy Jones um, kind of shrugs and he's like, I showed them how to bind her. She could not be trusted. She gave me no choice. We must act before they release her. 
And then I love how it dawns on Will as Davy Jones is talking and Will just says, you loved her. And then Jones turns and looks at him and Will says, she's the one. And then you betrayed her. And then Jones gets all angry and he um, steps over to Will and it's like, she pretended to love me. She betrayed me. And I love how um, Will takes another sip of his tea and he stands up um, right next to Jones and Will just says, and after which betrayal did you cut out your heart, I wonder? And then Jones just smacks Will's teacup out of his hand, smashes it on the floor, and then Jones just says, do not test me. Then Will just said, I hadn't finished that. You will free my father. And then he turns to Beckett and he's like, and you will guarantee Elizabeth's safety along with my own. And then Beckett says, your terms are steep, Mr. Turner. We will expect fair value in return. And then Jones just says, there is only one price I will accept. Calypso, murdered. And then Will just says, Calypso is aboard the Black Pearl. Jack has sailed the Black Pearl to Shipwreck Cove. And I love how Will kind of starts playing with the globe and then Beckett says, and with you no longer aboard her, how do you propose to lead us there? And then Jones steps over to Will um, again and then Will just smiles at Beckett and pulls out Jack Sparrow's compass and then just says, what is it that you want most? And the camera pans down to the compass and we see Beckett just smiles and then we go right back over to Shipwreck Cove. Uh, we've now made it inside. Um, we've made it through the Devil's Throat, I believe, um, into Shipwreck Cove. And we have some awesome, great pirate um, Hoist the Colors score by Hans Zimmer. Again, um, the score in this movie is absolutely top tier. Um, and yeah, now we've arrived at Shipwreck Cove and we get to finally see other pirates from around the world, which is very, very exciting. So the Black Pearl pulls into Shipwreck Cove, and we have, of course, this great score, and we have this great um, 360 shot um, going around Shipwreck Cove, and we get to see that Shipwreck Cove um, is all, well, shipwrecks. <laughs> I mean, it's completely made of um, destroyed ships and shipwrecks, which is absolutely so cool. And I think it, it just looks so absolutely amazing. I mean, I love how it looks, how it's constructed. How did they build this? I have no clue, but it looks so freaking good. Um, and as the Black Pearl, um, pulls close, um, we just see all these lights, all these ships that are docked around, um, and Pintel's like, look at them all. And then Barbosa just says, there's not been a gathering like this in our lifetime. And then um, Jack appears and Jack just says, and I owe them all money. And then now we finally get to um, a very fantastic scene. Um, I feel like we've been leading up to this you know, for the whole movie so far, the Brethren Court. You know, we keep hearing about the Brethren Court and now we finally get to see the Brethren Court. So Barbosa um, knocks a chain shot on the table um, using that as a gavel, uh, which is pretty funny. Um, and then Barbosa says, I see you, which is summons. I convene this the fourth 
Brethren Court. And I love how Jack is um, playing with his sword in the globe there. Um, and that's also something I'll talk about real quick, is that globe, um, which is really cool. Um, at first glance, it is just a regular globe. Yeah, it is a globe. Um, but you can see all the swords stuck in it. And you might be wondering, why are the swords stuck in the globe? The swords are stuck in the globe um, from each pirate lord. So it's each pirate lord's sword, and it's stabbed in the location that they're the pirate lord of. So Jack's sword, of course, is stabbed in the, uh, the Caribbean Sea because he is the pirate lord of the Caribbean. Um, Barbosa's sword would be stabbed into the Caspian Sea because he is the pirate lord of the Caspian Sea, um, and so on. So all the pirate lord's swords are stabbed into their respective um, sea that they're the pirate lord of. So I think that's really cool. Um, and then Barbosa th uh, continues, and he says... To confirm your lordship and right to be heard, submit now your pieces of eight, my fellow captains. And he sends Rigetti around the table to get the pieces of eight from all the pirate lords. So this is, of course, where we get to see all of the pirate lords for the first time. Up to this point, we'd, we'd only seen um, Jack Sparrow, Hector Barbosa, and Sal Fang. Those were the only pirate lords that we saw. Um, now we finally get to see all the other pirate lords. So, since we are now meeting all the other pirate lords, I'm going to take a quick second and tell you guys um, the name of each pirate lord and what they are the pirate lord of. Um, so let's go down the line here. Um, I'm, not, I'm not going in order of the movie, I'm just using a list. Um, so, we have Armand the Corsair, um, who is the pirate lord of the Black Sea. Then we, of course, have Hector Barbosa, who is the Pirate Lord of the Caspian Sea, as I said. Then we have Capitan Cheval, who is the Pirate Lord of the Mediterranean Sea. Um, we have Mistress Ching, who is the Pirate Lord of the Pacific Ocean. Um, we have Gentleman Jocard, who is the Pirate Lord of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and Jack Sparrow, of course, who is the Pirate Lord of the Caribbean Sea. Um, we have Sri Shambhaji, who is Pirate Lord of the Indian Ocean. Um, and Sal Fang, of course, is the Pirate Lord of Singapore, um, also the South China Sea. Um, and finally, we have um, Eduardo Villanueva, who is the Pirate Lord of the Adriatic Sea. So those are all of the Pirate Lords. Um, yeah, a lot of Pirate Lords there, um, but those are all the names of everyone. Um, and now let's continue on. So, Rigetti is um, taking the pieces of eight from all of the um, pirate lords, and Pintel realizes, and he says, those aren't pieces of eight, they're just pieces of junk. And then Gibbs is like, aye, the original plan was to use nine pieces of eight to bind Calypso, but when the first court met, the brethren were want to want skint broke. And then Pintel's like, so change the name. And then Gibbs is like, to what? nine pieces of whatever we happen to have in our pockets at the time. Oh, yes, that sounds very piratey. And he just rolls his eyes. <laughs> I love it. Um, and, of course, we see all these different pieces of eight. You can see uh, Amon has a little shot glass. Mistress Ching has um, some kind of, like, bifocal glasses. Um, Capitan Cheval has a playing card. They're all just random little things. Um, and... Rigetti gets back over to Barbosa, and then Barbosa says, Master Rigetti, if you will, and he um, puts his hand out. 
And Rigetti then says, I kept it safe for you, just like you said when you gave it to me. And then Barbosa says, I have, but now I need it back. And he slaps, pin, he slaps Rigetti in the head, um, and his eye pops out. And now we get to see that Barbosa's piece of eight is Rigetti's wooden eye. Um, and Barbosa drops it in the bowl, um, and Villanueva, he says, Sparrow! Um, and we see Jack, who is still kind of loitering behind. Um, he puts his hand up to his piece of eight, which is his little charm on his bandana. So now we know what Jack's piece of eight is. So um, Jack is still kind of nervous, and he says, Might I point out that we are still short one pirate lord, and I'm as content as a cucumber to wait until Sao Fang joins us. And then out of nowhere, we hear Sao Fang is dead, and the camera turns, and we see Elizabeth Swan and Tai Huang and the rest of um, the crew of the Empress um, have arrived at Shipwreck Cove. And now we see that Elizabeth Swan is now the Pirate Lord, um, and she is now part of the Brethren Court as well. So Elizabeth says, he fell to the Flying Dutchman, and then Mistress Ching is like, the plagued ship. And she stabs her sword into the globe, and then I love how Jack's like, he made you captain? They're just giving the bloody title away now. Um, and then, of course, everyone's getting riled up, especially Villanueva. Um, and then Elizabeth um, is like, listen, listen to me. A location has been betrayed. Jones is under the command of Lord Beckett. They're on their way here. And then Gentleman Joe Card's like, who is this betrayer? And then Barbosa's like, not likely anyone among us. And then Elizabeth looks around and she's like, where's Will? And then Jack's like, not among us. <laughs> um, but I'll point out, since I just brought up Gentleman Joe Card, um, something very, very cool, a very cool pirate connection with his actor. Gentleman Joe Card was played, um, I hope I pronounced this right, Hakim K. Kazim. Um, and something very cool about this actor is he has another pirate connection. Um, it's really funny, but this actor actually also played Mr. Scott um, in the show Black Sails. So if you watch Black Sails, um, I love Black Sails. It's another one of my favorite shows, um, obviously, since it's about pirates. But it's a very awesome show if you haven't watched it. Um, I noticed very early on with this Mr. Scott character, I'm like, you know, that looks a lot like Gentleman Joe Card from Pirates of the Caribbean. And then I found out it's the same actor playing both um, both characters, which I think is super, super cool. So I love how um, this guy has um, roles in Pirates of the Caribbean and Black Sails. Very, very cool um, connection between both of those pirate properties. Also, if you haven't seen Black Sails, I highly, highly recommend you watch it. If you love pirates, if you love Pirates of the Caribbean, um, you will definitely love Black Sails. Um, it's a very, very awesome show. I highly recommend it. Anyway, back to the movie. <laughs> then Barbosa continues. And he's like, it doesn't matter how they found us. What matters is, what will we do now that they have? Then Elizabeth just says, we fight. And then everyone starts laughing. I love how they all start laughing. And then Jack looks around and starts laughing as well. Um, and then Mistress Cheng says, Shipwreck Cove is a fortress. A well-supplied fortress. We do not need to fight if they cannot get to us. And then everyone's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They all agree with her. 
Um, and Barbosa says, there be a third course. And then he starts to walk around the table and he has this great speech, which I absolutely love. One of my favorite dialogues from Barbosa. Um, and Barbosa says, in another age, at this very spot, the first brethren court captured the sea goddess and bound her in her bones. That was a mistake. Um, and everyone's kind of, huh? They're all confused. And Barbosa continues. And he's like, oh, we tame the seas for ourselves, I. But open the door to Beckett and his ilk. Better were the days when mastery of seas came not from bargains struck with eldritch creatures, but from the sweat of a man's brow and the strength of his back alone. Y'all know this to be true. And then he goes back over to the head of the table and he says, gentlemen, ladies, we must free Calypso. And I love how we have a great pause here. Um, <laughs> they all look at him, and then everyone starts to yell and scream, and they're like, no! And then I love how um, Amon's like, shoot him! And then Gentleman Jokar's like, cut out his tongue! And then Jack's like, shoot him and cut out his tongue, and then shoot his tongue, and trim that scraggly beard. And then I love how Tai Huang's like, Sao Feng would have agreed with Barbosa, and Barbosa says, aye. And then... Uh, Joe Card's like, Calypso was our enemy then. She will be our enemy now. And then Cheval's like, and it's unlikely her mood's improved. And then Villanueva, uh, he puts his flintlock on the table. He's like, I still agree with Sao Feng. We released Calypso. And then I love how Cheval's like, you dare threaten me? And then Villanueva's like, I silence you. And then Cheval punches him in the nose. Um, Villanueva's pistol goes off. And then everything breaks into chaos. Um, people are getting thrown on the table. They're getting slid down the table. I love how they, they grab that guy and slide him down the table. And he starts screaming. It's so funny. Um, everything goes into chaos. And Elizabeth is just like, this is madness. And then Jack just says, this is politics. And then Elizabeth just says, meanwhile, our enemies are bearing down upon us. And then Barbosa rolls his eyes, and he's like, if they not be here already. And something I forgot to mention um, while Barbosa was doing that monologue is um, Rigetti got an eye patch and put the eye patch on because he no longer has his eye. Um, and I think that's really cool as well, Rigetti with the eye patch. So then we go outside of Shipwreck, um, Shipwreck, Town of Shipwreck. What? <laughs> Shipwreck Cove, Town of Shipwreck, they're all the same thing. Um, now, of course, we hear um, everyone yelling and guns going off and everything. Um, and then we see the Black Pearl, of course, docked um, at the dock. Where else would it be docked? Um, and we go into the brig of the Black Pearl where Tia Dama is. Um, and we can hear the music box playing. So we pan over to Tia Dama in the brig. Um, there's no light except for the candles in her cell. Um, and she has it in her hands, and she closes the locket, and the music stops. But then it starts playing again from the other side of the ship. And she looks up and um, gets up from where she's sitting and looks through the bars, and she sees Davy Jones's silhouette um, in the distance. So Davy Jones begins to walk over to her, um, and Tia Dama just says, my sweet, you come for me. And then Davy Jones just says, you were expecting me. And then 
Tiadama. I guess at this point I'll refer to Tiadama as Calypso because this is Calypso speaking here. Calypso just says, it has been torture, trapped in this single form, cut off from the sea, from all that I love, from you. And then Davy Jones um, gets closer and he says, Ten years I devoted to the duty you charged me. Ten years I looked after those who die at sea. And finally, when we could be together again, you weren't there. And then he closes the music box and he just says, Why weren't you there? And then Calypso just says, It's my nature. And I love how Jones kind of recoils at that. Um, and Calypso just asks him, would you love me if I was anything but what I am? And he turns away and he's like, I do not love you. And then Calypso continues and she just says, many things you were, Davy Jones, but never cruel. You have corrupted your purpose and so yourself, and you did hide away what should always have been mine. And she touches Davy Jones in the chest, and you can see Davy Jones's tentacles uh, begin to shrink, and we look up and we see human Davy Jones before he was cursed. This is absolutely so cool. It's one of my favorite moments. It's the only time we get to see human Davy Jones. It is so cool to see Davy Jones as a human. Um, of course, this is Bill Nye here, um, actually finally made up to look like a pirate. He's no longer wearing a mocap suit. This is the only time Davy Jones actually got to be a pirate on set of Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, but it's so cool. You can see uh, Davy Jones's beard. You can see his face. You can see his, his clothes. Um, it's just so cool to see him as a human. It's so, so awesome. Um, and you can see Calypso smiles at him. And at this point, since Davy Jones is a human again, um, he has a complete shift. And um, Calypso touches Jones's face. And um, he goes to touch her face. And he just very slowly says, Calypso. So, and he's like a completely different person. It's really, really cool. Um, and Calypso just says, I will be free. And when I am, I will give you my heart. If only you had a heart to give. And she takes her hand away from Jones. And you can see Jones transforms back into the sea monster that we know him as. Um, and he goes and he um, grabs Tiadama's neck with his claw his crab claw hand, and she just asks, why did you come? And he lets go of her neck, and he tries to get his crab claw back through the bars, um, but he can't because it's stuck. Um, so he's like, uh, whatever. And he just um, morphs right through the bars because the Dutchman crew can do that. Um, and Davy Jones just says, and what fate do you have planned for your captors? And then Calypso says, the brethren court, the last thing they will learn in this life is how cruel I can be. 
And I love how Jones kind of nods and begins to walk away. Um, and right before he disappears, Calypso asks, And what of your fate, David Jones? And then he kind of turns his head back to Calypso and he just says, My heart will always belong to you. Um, and Calypso smiles as Davy Jones disappears into the hull of the Black Pearl. Um, I love, love, love that scene. It's one of my favorite scenes. It's the only scene we get to see of uh, Calypso and Davy Jones talking and or interacting. Um, it's so, so cool. So after that scene, we go back over to the Brethren Court, who is still, they're still absolutely just, it's chaos, absolute chaos. Um, and Barbosa stands on the table um, and shoots his flintlock, um, and everyone stops instantly. Um, and Barbosa says, It was the first court what imprisoned Calypso. We should be the ones to set her free. And in her gratitude, she will see fit to grant us boons. And then I love how Jack appears um, through Barbosa's legs. And I love how Barbosa's holding that chain shot in his other hand. Um, and Jack just looks up. He's like, whose boons? Your boons? <laughs> I love that so much. And then Jack just says, utterly deceptive twaddle speak, says I. And then Barbosa, as he steps down, he's like, if you have a better alternative, please share. And then Jack's like, cuttlefish. Eh? And then he um, starts to move around the table and he says, let us not, dear friends, forget our dear friends, the cuttlefish. And I love how everyone's like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and then Jack continues, he's like, flipping glorious little sausages, pen them up together to devour each other without a second thought. It's human nature, isn't it? Well, fish nature. And I love how he puts his hands on Mistress Ching um, and both of her... Uh, guards uh, go, go to, their hands go to their weapons um, and he's like so yes we could hold up here well provisioned and well armed but half has to be dead within the month which seems quite grim to me any way you slice it or I love how he, how he gets stopped by that big pirate and he's like uh and he's like as my learned colleague so naively suggests we can release Calypso and we can pray that she will be merciful and then he goes down to uh, that little that little guy next to Villanueva, and he's like, I rather doubt it. And then Jack says, can we pretend she's anything other than a woman scorned like which fury hell hath no? We cannot. And I love how Jack just <laughs> says, we are left with one option. I agree with, and I cannot believe the words are coming out of my mouth. Captain Swan, we must fight. I love how Elizabeth smiles uh, when he says that. And Barbosa is like, you've always run away from a fight. And then Jack's like, have not. And then Barbosa's like, you yeah, have so. And Jack's like, have not. Have so. You have not. Have so when you know it. I just, I love it so much. And then Jack's like, have not slander and calumny. I've only ever embraced that oldest and noblest of pirate traditions. I submit now that here now, that is what we all must do. We must fight to run away. And I love how Gibbs is the first one to agree, and he's like, I! And everyone starts to agree with him. Um, and Barbosa's like, as per the code, an act of war, and this be exactly that, can only be declared by the pirate king. And then Jack just points to him, he's like, you made that up. <laughs> and Barbosa's like, did I now? 
And then Barbosa just says, I call on Captain Teague, keeper of the code. And as soon as um, he says Captain T, we get that close up on Jack, and Jack's face completely um, disappears. Jack just is like utterly just, he's like, oh no. Like, Jack's, um, like, everything that was, <laughs> everything Jack was just thinking has immediately been dropped, and now he's just frozen in place. Um, his expression is just dropped completely. Uh, and we'll see why he's nervous and scared in just a second. And I love how, uh, so Sri Sambhaji, uh, he elbows um, his his guide to his right, and the guy's like, Sri Sambhaji proclaims this all to be folly. Eh, hang the code. Who cares? And he gets interrupted because he gets shot, and the guy falls back, um, and everyone is like, what just happened? And they all look, and they see a figure standing in the doorway, and we see the close-up. He blows the smoke off his pistol, and he says, the code is the law. And we finally see Captain Teague, who is none other than Jack Sparrow's father. This is the first time we get to see Captain Teague. We see him pop up, of course, in Honest Ranger Tides. He's also in some books. He's also in the flashback sequence in Dead Man Tell No Tales. Um, he, he, he's around every so often. He's also in the Pirates of the Caribbean Outworlds and video game that has a level from Dead Man's Chest. I, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Why does that game have Dead Man's Chest in it when it's called Outworlds? And I don't know. But, of course, Cap, Captain Teague, uh, pl- being Jack Sparrow's father, you have to be someone like Jack Sparrow. You can't just get some random actor to play Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp's father. You have to get someone that can be believed as being Jack Sparrow's father and Johnny Depp's father, honestly. And who they get to play Captain Teague? They got none other than Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones, um, which is so cool. Because if you remember, I think I talked about this back in the first, second episode, maybe. Oh my God, that was a long time ago now. Um, But uh, Johnny Depp has said many times that Jack Sparrow, the character, was based off of uh, Keith Richards and uh, the Looney Tunes character Pepe Le Pew. Um, And since Keith Richards was such a big influential factor on Jack Sparrow's character, when they were going to cast Edward Teague, who is Jack Sparrow's father in this movie, they're like, who other, who else should we get to play him but Keith Richards? I mean, like, there is no question. We need to get Keith Richards. So they got Keith Richards. Keith Richards did accept the part, and they dressed him up as a pirate, and he is absolutely awesome. I mean, you can tell he is Jack Sparrow's father. You can see all of the the little uh, tidbits and the crosses um, weaved into his braids. You can see the big hat, the red coat. Like, he is Jack Sparrow's father, um, and it's so, so cool. I, I just, it's genius seriously genius but teague uh edward teague he begins to stride toward jack um and as he gets right behind jack uh teague just says you're in my way boy and i love how jack just very slowly slinks out of the way (laughs) um and then teague he uh, calls over these two old pirates who are um carrying the gigantic 
Pirate Codex. The code, the pirate code, the pirate code we've been referencing this whole time in all these movies. The pirate code, as Pintel and Rigetti, when they see it, they're like, the, the code. And then they're like, set forth by Morgan and Bartholomew. Like, it's the code that we've been talking about. The code is more what you call guidelines. Well, this is the code, the real pirate code. Not the real, real pirate code that exists in real, in real life. The fictional pirate code that we've been talking about for three movies now. So it's just so cool to see all these things that we've been referencing and talking about, like through Curse of Black Pearl and Dead Man's Chest, you know, the pirate code, set down by Morgan and Bartholomew. Like, it's so cool to actually see it. And I, I just, I love that payoff of like, we finally get to see the pirate code. So it's just super, super cool. Um, these two old guys, they drop the gigantic book on the table. Um, and you can see it says Pirata Codex on the front. Um, and uh, Teague whistles. And guess who appears? The prison dog is back. And the prison dog is now the keeper of the code dog. He's no longer the prison dog. He now holds the key to the pirate code because the pirate code has a lock on it. Um, and Pintel and Rigetti see the dog and they're like, "What? How did he? How did he get here?" And then Teague just says, "Sea turtles, mate." And then I love how Pintel and Rigetti look at each other like, "Sea turtles." <laughs> um, and Teague unlocks the code and he flips it open and I just love when he drops it on the table you just get that boom that large boom um, but we get to see um, Teague's rings and everything you can see he's he's definitely Jack Sparrow's father I mean he has all those different rings and everything um, and Teague is going through the code um, and he says ah Barbosa is right and then I love Barbosa kind of uh, bows and then I love how Jack just butts his dad out of the way he's like hang on a minute and he, like, he goes through the code himself. He's like, and he reads, It shall be the duties of the king to declare war, parley with shared adversaries. Huh, fancy that. And, of course, pay attention when he says parley. We'll see that in just a little bit. Um, and Capitan Cheval, he says, There has not been a king since the first court, and that is not likely to change. And then I love how Teague's like, not likely. And then Elizabeth, um, she's like, why not? And then Gibbs uh, tells her, see, the pirate king is elected by popular vote. And then Barbosa says, and each pirate only ever votes for himself. And I love how Jack just says, I call for a vote. And everyone's like, oh. <laughs> and of course, as Barbosa said, they all begin to vote for themselves. Uh, Teague uh, just sits down in his chair and begins to play his guitar. Um, so Amand stands up and he says, I vote for Amand, the Corsair. Um, Capitan Cheval stands up and he says, Capitan Cheval, the penniless Frenchman. And then I love how Sri Sumbaji's um, guy to his left uh, just says, Sri Sumbaji votes for Sri Sumbaji. And then Mistress Ching stands up and she says, Mistress Ching. And then Gentleman Joe Card votes for himself. Um, and then Elizabeth says, Elizabeth Swan. And then Barbosa votes for himself. Um, and Villanueva votes for himself. And now we're down to the last vote, Jack Sparrow's vote, and Jack just says, Elizabeth Swan. And I love how, as soon as that happens, Elizabeth's like, what? 
And then Jack's like, I know, curious, isn't it? And then as soon as he says this, um, everyone gets super angry. And I love how Joe Card's like, you're supposed to vote for me. You're supposed to vote for me. <laughs> I love how they're all annoyed. Um, and then Jack just says, I am, un- am I to understand that you lot will not be keeping to the code then? And I love how as soon as he says that, um, the string breaks on Teague's guitar and he looks up. Um, and everyone is like, shh. And they all just like, everyone just sits down um, after they see Teague. Um, and Mistress Ching just says, very well. And then she turns to Elizabeth and she says, what say you, Captain Swan, king of the Brethren Court? And then Elizabeth just says, prepare every vessel that floats. At dawn, we're at war. And then Jack just smiles at her. And Sri Sumbaji finally stands up and speaks for the first time. And he says, and so we shall go to war. And I love how as soon as he says that, Jack is like, what the? And they all start um, doing a rally cry. They start shouting like, yeah. Um, and Barbosa nods to Rigetti, who hides the pieces of eight, um, and he begins to slink out of there. Um, and yeah, Elizabeth Swan is now the king of the pirates, the king of the Brethren Court, the king of all pirates. Like, this is, it's just so cool. I love her arc, man. It's so absolutely fantastic to see where she starts in At World's End or not in that world, to see where she starts in Curse of the Black Pearl, the very beginning. Um, a girl who loves pirates, um, but is, you know, stuck, strapped down um, by, you know, English customs and law and tight corsets and everything. Um, and as we go through these three films, we see her um, start to get adventurous. She gets a taste for it in Curse of the Black Pearl. She sneaks away in Dead Man's Chest. She becomes a pirate in Dead Man's Chest. Um, and then she becomes a pirate lord in At World's End when Sao Feng dies. And then she becomes the king of the Brethren Court, the king of the pirates in At World's End. It's such an amazing arc. It's the biggest arc in all of Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, it's absolutely insane. I just love it. I love Elizabeth Swan. She's such a good character. I love her so much. And this arc is just, it's amazing. It's one of my, it's probably my favorite character arc of all time. I mean, like, you know, so, there's some characters out there and other stuff, you know, like, like Zuko from Avatar Last Airbender. He has that great um, arc and everything. There's a lot of really great characters who have really long, great character arcs. I And I just, I love Elizabeth's arc so much it's probably my favorite character arc character arc of all time um and i know like people are gonna say well actually this person and i don't care i'm a pirates of the caribbean fan of course it's gonna be my favorite (laughs) uh but jack turns around to his dad um and jack's like what you've seen it all done it all that's the trick isn't it to survive and then teague just says it's not just about living forever jackie and then he stands up and goes over to jack and he says, the trick is living with yourself forever. And then Jack just asks, how's mum? And then I love how Teague just holds up a shrunken head, um, which is apparently Jack Sparrow's mom. Um, and I love how Jack looks at it and he's like, she looks great. 
So the next shot we get is a bunch of pirate ships lined up to face the armada of the East India Trading Company that will be coming. Um, so everyone on all the ships in the whole Brethren Court, they're all united and they see um, the Endeavor um, come through the fog. And Marty's like, the enemy is here, let's take them. And they all start cheering. Um, so they only see the one ship. Um, but Barbosa doesn't cheer yet because then he, everyone sees all the other ships come out of the fog. Um, and you can easily see they quickly outnumber all the pirates. Um, so this is, of course, the armada of the East India Trading Company. Um, dozens and dozens of ships coming to destroy the rest of the pirates. Um, and I love how Cotton's parrot immediately flies away and is like, what? Abandon ship? Abandon ship? Um, and yeah, Cotton's parrot flies away. Um, and everyone just looks at Jack. And then Jack just smiles and he's like, parlay? And now we get another great scene, another one of my favorite scenes, and we got some absolutely fantastic music. I mean, this music, oh my God, Hans Zimmer popped off on this soundtrack. And guess what? There's actually something that a lot of people don't know about this music scene, this music going on right now, the parlay music. Hans Zimmer, of course, you know, wrote this score, but you can hear, of course, the electric guitar, and that's what makes this such a fantastic piece of score. It's one of the only, probably the only time in Pirates of the Caribbean we hear electric guitar. But the interesting thing is who played the electric guitar when they recording, uh, when they recorded this um, track? No, it wasn't just a, a regular musician from Hans Zimmer's um, orchestra. It actually was none other than Gore Verbinski himself, the director of Pirates of the Caribbean, he was the one who was playing the electric guitar when they recorded this. So the electric guitar you hear in the movie on the soundtrack is played by Gore Verbinski, the director of the movie. How cool is that? Um, I feel like a lot of people don't know that. I always bring it up. I'm like, yeah, did you know that Gore Verbinski played the guitar? And <laughs> I love that everyone's like, okay, no one cares, but I care. And I hope you guys care as well, because I think it's a really interesting fact. A lot of people um, don't actually know that Gore Verbinski played the guitar on that. It's really, really cool. Um, but that's one of the cool things about Gore Verbinski. I mean, he's just multi-talented. He can play instruments. He can direct movies. Um, he can do visual effects. That's why the visual effects look so good in these movies. Do you ever wonder why the visual effects in Pirates of the Caribbean look so good? It's because Gore Verbinski actually had experience in visual effects. Um, so when they were doing the the visual effects and everything um, in post-production on these movies, he actually would sit down with the, um, the animators and he would review the footage and see what it looked like. And he'd like, oh no, how about a little bit more here, a little less there. And, you know, some, some directors would say that and then people, um, the animators would be like, oh, well, we can't really do that. But since Gore Verbinski knows what he's talking about, he knows... Um, effect animation and everything because he, he worked in that as well um, he knows what he's talking about and those people can can change those things um, so it's really really cool um, he's just multi-talented man he's such an awesome director he's an amazing filmmaker um, we need more Gore Verbinski movies stat um, but of course we finally get the parlay scene 
Um, we see Barbosa, Elizabeth, and Jack have arrived on this little spit of land, and they are facing off against um, Will Turner, uh, Cutler Beckett, and Davy Jones. So we have this great, of course, the great music playing as uh, Barbosa, Elizabeth, and Jack walk over to the other party. And also, if you've noticed, uh, Bar- uh, Davy Jones is on land, but he's not on land because he's standing in a water bucket. <laughs> and this also begs the immortal question of how did they get Davy Jones onto this island in that bucket? You can see behind Davy Jones, there's a bunch more smaller water buckets, but it's just so funny. Like, I would just love to see the deleted. <laughs> I wish there was a deleted scene. I wish there was a scene of Davy Jones hobbling over through these different water buckets to get um, over to this this spot. That would be the funniest scene ever. I oh my god, it's so it's so good. Um, but so once um, the pirate party comes over to the East India Trading Company party, um, Barbosa looks at Will and he's like, "You be the cur that led these wolves to our door." And then Beckett looks over at Will, and he looks back. He's like, don't blame Turner. He was merely the tool in your betrayal. If you wish to see its grand architect, look to your left. I love how Barbosa and Elizabeth look to their left. And then Jack looks to his left. <laughs> and then he looks back and smiles. He's like, my hands are clean in this. Figuratively. And then he bites on his nail, and Will just says, my actions were my own to my own purpose. Jack had nothing to do with it. And then Jack just says, well spoke, listen to the tool. And then Elizabeth just says, Will, I've been aboard the Dutchman. I understand the burden you bear, but I fear that cause is lost. And then Will just says, no cause is lost if there is but one fool left to fight for it. And then he looks at Jack, and Jack looks back, and Jack smiles at Will, um, which is amazing, and it reinforces my... Um, I think I talked about this. I can't even remember when I talked about it at this point. I've done so many episodes. Um, but, you know, Will is kind of taking after Jack, and Elizabeth is kind of taking after Barbosa. So I think I talked about that before. I'll probably talk about it again later on. But it's really, really cool how Jack um, is the one that really influences Will, and Barbosa is the one that really influences Elizabeth in their respective pirate choices. So Becca then just says, if Turner wasn't acting on your behalf, then how did he come to give me this? And he holds up Jack's compass. And then Barbosa is like, oh, and he looks over at Jack. And then Beckett says, you made a deal with me, Jack, to deliver the pirates. And here they are. And he throws Jack's compass over back over to him. Um, and he says, don't be bashful. Step up. Claim your reward. And then Jones just says, Your debt to me is still to be satisfied. One hundred years aboard the Dutchman, as a start. Um, And Elizabeth uh, looks at everyone, and Jack just says, That debt was paid, mate, with help. And then Jones says, You escaped. And then Elizabeth then says, I propose an exchange. Will leaves with us. And you can take Jack. And I love how Barbosa looks over at Elizabeth. And Jack's like, what? And then Will just says, done. And then Jack's like, undone. And then Beckett says, done. And then Barbosa is like, Jack's one of the nine pirate lords. You have no right. And Elizabeth just says, king. And then she looks over at Jack. And Jack smiles. And he says, as you command. 
your nips. And then uh, Barbosa just like just says blackguard, and he pulls out his sword and slices um, Jack's piece of eight off of his bandana. Um, and Jack the monkey goes and grabs it from the sand. Um, and Barbosa steps over to Jack and he says, "If ye have something to say, I might be saying something as well." And then Jack just says, first to the finish then." And then I love how Will and Jack slowly um, trade places. And I love how Beckett um, makes Jack stand in between him and Davy Jones. <laughs> I love how Jack just stands there and Jones looks at him. Um, and Jones just says, "Do you fear death?" And then Jack just says, you have no idea. And then Beckett says, advise your brethren. You can fight and all of you will die, or you can not fight, in which case only most of you will die. And then Elizabeth uh, gets close to him and she says, you murdered my father. And then Beckett says, he chose his own fate. And then Elizabeth says, and you have chosen yours. We will fight and you will die. And she begins to walk away, and Barbosa and Will follow her. And Beckett then says, so be it. Um, and Jack the monkey uh, gives Barbosa the piece of eight. And I love how Will is like, king. And then Elizabeth's like, of the brethren court, courtesy of Jack. And then I love how Will's like, maybe he really does know what he's doing. <laughs> um, and we go back aboard the Dutchman, and Jack is now in the brig. I love how he's just standing right up next to the bars. <laughs> Um, and out of nowhere, he hears himself, um, and he's, and now we're back to multiple Jacks, um, so Jack, once again, going loony, um, and Jack Sparrow 2 says, bravo, and Jack turns around, and he's, and Jack Sparrow 2 says, you successfully arrived aboard the Dutchman as per the overall scheme. I love how Jack tries to talk, but he's interrupted by Jack Sparrow 3, and Jack Sparrow 3 says, Oh yes, chapeau, mate. Except for this little stitch in the brig, it's like a clockwork. I love how Jack looks at both of them, and he's like, Go away! And then Jack Sparrow 2 is like, What, back to the locker? And then Jack Sparrow 3 says, Not without you, Jackie. And then, then we get to see something really, really cool. Um, and out of nowhere, we, we hear Jack Sparrow 4 say, stab the heart. And we see Jack Sparrow 4 is cursed. And this Jack Sparrow 4 is Dutchman Jack Sparrow. So it's really cool. This is, it's, oh my, it's so, so cool. Um, and Jack Sparrow, they all turn to see Dutchman Jack Sparrow, who uh, pulls himself out of the ship. Um, it's, it's so cool. It's, oh my god, whoever designed the Flying Dutchman Jack Sparrow, oh my god, it's incredible. Um, but it's so cool to see, like, if Jack, you know, does stab the heart as he's going to do, as he plans to do, and sails the seas forever as he plans to do, this is what's going to happen to him. You know, he's going to end up like Jones, and he's going to look like this. Um, which is really cool. And the really cool part is his brain kind of acts like his bandana. It's, it's super, super cool. Um, but Dutchman Jack Sparrow says, live forever as captain of the Flying Dutchman. And he just scratches his brain and pulls it out and licks it, which is absolutely gross. But uh, Jack Sparrow's one through three all stare at Dutchman Jack Sparrow. 
Um, and Dutchman Jack Sparrow says, then again, if you're in the brig, who's to stab the heart? Then he licks the brain, uh, and all the Jack Sparrows are like, ugh. Then Jack Sparrow 2 is like, does seem to put immortality a bit out of reach. And I love how Jack Sparrow 3 goes through Jack Sparrow 1's hair and pulls out a peanut. He's like, oh, peanut. And then we go back over to the Black Pearl, um, where Barbosa, Will, and Elizabeth have made it back over to the ship. Um, and Elizabeth says, we'll need to use the Black Pearl's flagship to lead the attack. And they go over to Barbosa, and Barbosa's like, will we now? Um, and they see um, Pintel, Rigetti, and the rest of the crew are pulling Tiadama out of the brig and onto the deck. And I love how Pintel's like, all right, Mrs. Fish, come on. <laughs> and then Will's like, Barbosa, you can't release her. And I love how they're immediately, uh, Will and Elizabeth are both uh, grabbed by a bunch of pirates. Um, and Elizabeth's like, we need, to g- we need to give Jack a chance. And then Barbosa's like, Apologies, your majesty. For too long, my fate has not been in my own hands. Then he grabs the piece of eight around Elizabeth's neck, and, she, and he says, no longer. And he grabs it off her neck. And we go over to the Endeavor, um, where we have all the officers lined up on deck, and Barbo- uh, Barbosa, and Beckett says, the enemy has opted for oblivion. Then we see Groves, and Becca turns to him, and uh, he says, ready the fleet. And then Groves uh, yells, to your stations! And they all um, begin to move. We go back over to the Black Pearl, where we see all the pieces of eight, including uh, Jack and Sal Fang's pieces of eight, now in there, they're all together in the bowl. Um, And Gibbs is like, be there some manner of rite or incantation? And then Barbosa says, I, the items brought together, done. Items to be burned. And then Rigetti gives him a uh, ign- ignition stick. Um, and Barbosa says, and someone must speak the words, Calypso, I release you from your human bonds. And then Pintel's like, is that it? And then Barbosa says, to said it must be spoken as to a lover. Then everyone's like, ooh. <laughs> Um, and I love how Barbosa gets gets imposed, and he's like, Calypso, I release you from your human bonds. And then he goes to light the pieces of eight, um, and nothing happens. <laughs> I just, I, I love how theatrical he gets with that. It's so funny. Um, and then Pintel's like, is that it? And then Rigetti's like, no, 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 he didn't say it right. You have to say it right. And then Barbosa's like, whatever, man. And he he just gets out of the way. Um, and Rigetti, hero moment for Rigetti. Like, literally, this is Rigetti's hero moment. Um, Rigetti gets close to Tiadama. Um, and he just says, Calypso? I release you from your human bonds. And after he says that, no ignition required, um, all the pieces of eight light on fire, and the bowl begins to float in midair. Um, so obviously, Rigetti knew how to do it. Maybe Rigetti loved Tiadama, I don't know, but he knew, and that was his hero moment. Um, so all the pieces of eight are now burned to a crisp, um, and Tiadama is um, 
inhaling all the fumes, which is, I guess, what frees her. Um, but Will kind of starts to kind of pull away. He's like, Tia Dama. And then he just says, Calypso. And then she breaks out of her trance and the bowl drops. Um, and then Will says, when the Brethren Court imprisoned you, who was it that told them how? Who was it that betrayed you? And then Tiadama says, name him. And then Will just says, Davy Jones. And then after hearing his name, uh, Tiadama starts to, she looks like she's beginning to cry, but um, everyone begins to notice that she's growing larger um, and everyone starts to kind of pull the ropes. And I love how Pintel steps back. He's like, this is it. This is it. Um, and Tiadama, now Calypso, is growing very large. Um, and obviously all these people holding these ropes are getting intense rope burn. I would not want to be them right now. Um, but Calypso grows to the size of the main mass of the Black Pearl, which is absolutely huge. Um, and now we have a giantess on board the ship, which I don't know how the ship is not just absolutely getting destroyed by her weight, uh, but you can see that the, the main mast, which is holding her down, is starting to break off the ship. Um, but yeah, she is now ginormous. Um, but now she's pretty much free from her human form, obviously, because she's very large. Um, and Barbosa walks toward her, and he says, Calypso, and he, he gets down on one knee, and so do, and everyone else gets down on their knees as well. Um, and Barbosa says, I come before you, but a servant, humble and contrite. I have fulfilled me vow, and now ask your favor. Spare me self, me ship, me crew, but unleash your fury upon those who what dare pretend themselves your masters or mine. And Tiadamas, or Calypso smiles at Barbosa, um, and she starts uh, chanting some diff some some language. She starts chanting some incantation, um, and out of nowhere, she begins to um, turn into a gigantic or a hum she begins to turn into a billion crabs um, that start to fall onto the deck of the Black Pearl, um, and just pushes everyone away. Um, and all these crabs begin to fly down the pearl and they all dump over the sides of the ship. I wonder if everyone else is, all the other pirates are observing what's going on in the Black Pearl and they just see all these crabs coming off the ship. They're like, what is going on over there? But very cool. I'll briefly talk about how they filmed this scene. Obviously, they didn't dump a gazillion crabs on everyone. It's actually very fun. Um, they had a bunch of blue um, balls that they put in nets, um, and they hoisted those into the air, and those blue nets would then, of course, those blue balls uh, would later be CGI'd into crabs. So they had all these blue balls in the nets, and they would have everyone down there, and they would dump the nets, and all the blue balls would go down the deck and uh, cover everyone up. And it's just really fun. There's some great behind-the-scenes photos of everyone just having fun with all these blue balls on the deck. Um, there's some behind-the-scenes footage of everyone picking up the balls and throwing them at each other. Um, it's it's so funny. Like everyone just became like little kids again. They're all like in a ball pit. It was it's it's so great. But all the crabs dump off the black pearl um, into the water, 
And now Tiadama and Calypso is no more. She's back as a goddess of the sea. She's no longer bound in her human form. Um, I love how Rigetti has a crab stuck in his pants and he grabs it out. Um, and Will stands up and he's like, is that it? Um, and they all look over the railing of the ship and then Pintel's like, why? She's no help at all. And then Pintel turns to Barbosa and he's like, what now? And then Barbosa just says, nothing. Our last hope has failed us. Uh, and we can see a wind begins to pick up. Um, one of the pirate's hats flies away. Um, and we're now pretty desperate. I mean, they were relying on Calypso to destroy the Armada, but now, of course, that hasn't happened. Um, everyone is observing there's a lot of wind coming out of nowhere because of Calypso. Um, and everyone is looking around in the sky. Um, this wind is very fierce. And Elizabeth just says, it's not over. And then Will says, there's still a fight to be had. Then Gibbs says, we have an armada against us. And with the Dutchman, there's no chance. And then Elizabeth says, there's only a fool's chance. Then Barbosa uh, goes up to her and he says, revenge won't bring your father back, Miss Swan. And it's not something I'm intending to die for. And then Elizabeth turns to him and she says, you're right. What shall we die for? And of course, this signals the speech, the speech that defines this whole franchise, I feel like. This is another great moment in Elizabeth's arc. Um, and this is the Hoist the Colors speech that Elizabeth gives, um, which is, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's, it's on another level of greatness. So I don't think I can do this speech justice, um, but I'll try my best. <laughs> um, so Elizabeth uh, begins to walk down the deck and she just says, you will listen to me. Listen! And she goes over and um, stands up on the railing of the Pearl and she says, the brethren will still be looking here to us, to the Black Pearl to lead. And what will they see? Frightened bilge rats aboard a derelict ship? No. No, they will see free men and freedom. And what the enemy will see is the flash of our cannons. They will hear the ring of our swords and they will know what we can do. By the sweat of our brows and the strength of our backs and the courage of our hearts. Gentlemen, hoist the colors. And I love how Will's the first one um, and Will starts nodding. He's like, hoist the colors. Then Rigetti says, hoist the colors. And Bintel says, hoist the colors. And then Gibbs says, aye. The wind's on our side, boys. That's all we need. And they all um, cheer. And Elizabeth turns her back and she shouts, hoist the colors. And Tai Huang pulls out his sword. Um, and he shouts in Chinese. And the whole ship begins to cheer. And the rest of the pirates, Jokard's ship, begin to cheer. They start raising their flag. Villanueva, he's raising their flag. Um... Everyone's raising their flags. Mistress Ching's raising her flag. Um, Amand is raising his flag. Like, everyone's raising their flags. Uh, Sri Shambhaji's putting up his flag. Cheval's putting up his flag. Everyone's putting up their flag. The Black Pearl puts up their flag. Pintel and Rigetti are cheering. And um, we see um, Elizabeth on the stern of the ship and Barbosa on her left and Will on her right. 
and then we finally see all the flags going up in the air, and the Black Pearl's flag is the iconic Jolly Roger. And that is where we will stop um, in this episode, because uh, we I know what happens next, and um, we are now two hours into the movie. We're getting there. Um, so that is a great place to stop, because we're going right into the best action sequence in any movie ever made. It's it's the best action sequence ever made in any movie. Nothing's ever topped it. Nothing will top it. Um, but that'll be next week's episode. It's the episode I've been looking forward to, honestly, ever since I started this podcast. It's the episode that I've been the most excited about. I cannot wait to talk to you guys about the Maelstrom and the rest of the movie. Um, so it's going to be probably the Maelstrom and then uh, probably the rest of the movie um, till, to the end of the movie. So it's probably going to be the last Outworlds End episode. Um, but since it's going to be the last Outworlds End episode, I will warn you in advance. It's probably going to be close to a two-hour episode. It's going to be a big one. It's seriously going to be a big episode. It might be two hours long. Maybe I'm just... Maybe it's going to be a regular episode. I don't know, but it might be almost two hours long. I'm just warning you guys in advance. I hope you listen to it, Um, but it's going to be a really, really awesome episode. I am so, so excited. Um, I hope you guys will join me next week for the conclusion of At World's End and the Maelstrom. Um, But that will do it for episode 13 of Podcast of the Caribbean. Um, I thank you so much for listening. If you have been enjoying this podcast please consider leaving a rating um, or a review if you can do that on a on a platform it really helps the podcast it really helps um, it get boosted up into the into the searches so more people can find it Um, i thank you so much for listening Uh, from the bottom of my heart i thank you so much Um, thank you thank you so much for listening i'll see you next week with episode 14